Letter one hundred and eighteen of Letters of John Keats to His Family and Friends, edited by Sidney Colvin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. To Charles Wentworth Dilk, Winchester, Wednesday Eve, September twenty second, eighteen nineteen. My dear Dilk, whatever I take to for the time, I cannot leave off in a hurry. Letter writing is the go now. I have consumed a choir at least. You must give me credit now for a free letter when it is in reality an interested one on two points the one requestive the other verging to the pros and cons as i expect they will lead me to seeing and conferring with you in a short time i shall not enter at all upon a letter i have lately received from george of not the most comfortable intelligence but proceed to these two points which if you can theme out into sections and subsections for my edification you will oblige me the first i shall begin upon the other will follow like a tail to a comet. I have written to Brown on the subject, and can but go over the same ground with you in a very short time, it not being more in length than the ordinary paces between the wickets. It concerns a resolution I have taken to endeavour to acquire something by temporary writing in periodical works. You must agree with me how unwise it is to keep feeding upon hopes, which, depending so much on the state of temper and imagination, appear gloomy or bright, near or afar off, just as it happens. Now, an act has three parts, to act, to do, and to perform. I mean I should do something for my immediate welfare. Even if I am swept away like a spider from a drawing-room, I am determined to spin. Homespun anything for sale. Yea, I will traffic. Anything but mortgage my brain to Blackwood. I am determined not to lie like a dead lump. If Reynolds had not taken to the law, would he not be earning something? Why cannot I? You may say I want tact. That is easily acquired. You may be up to the slaying of a cockpit in three battles. It is fortunate I have not before this been tempted to venture on the common. I should, a year or two ago, have spoken my mind on every subject with the utmost simplicity. I hope I have learned a little better, and am confident— I shall be able to cheat as well as any literary Jew of the market and shine up an article on anything without much knowledge of the subject, I like an orange. I would willingly have recourse to other means. I cannot. I am fit for nothing but literature. Wait for the issue of this tragedy. No, there cannot be greater uncertainties east, west, north, and south than concerning dramatic composition. How many months must I wait? Had I not better begin to look about me now? If better events supersede this necessity, what harm will be done? I have no trust whatever on poetry. I don't wonder at it. The marvel is to me how people read so much of it. I think you will see the reasonableness of my plan. To forward it, I purpose living in cheap lodging in town, that I may be in the reach of books and information, of which there is here a plentiful lack. If I can find any place tolerably comfortable, I will settle myself and fag till I can afford to buy pleasure which, if I can never afford, I must go without. Talking of pleasure, this moment I was writing with one hand, and with the other holding to my mouth a nectarine. Good God, how fine! It went down soft, pulpy, slushy, oozy. All is delicious and bonbon melted down my throat like a large, beatified strawberry. I shall certainly breathe. Now, I come to my request. Should you like me for a neighbor again? come plump it out i won't blush 
i should also be in the neighbourhood of mrs wiley which i should be glad of though that of course does not influence me therefore will you look about marsham or rodney street for a couple of rooms for me rooms like the gallant's legs in massinger's time quote as good as times allow sir i have written to-day to reynolds and to woodhouse do you know him he is a friend of taylor's at whom brown has taken one of his funny odd dislikes i'm sure he's wrong because woodhouse likes my poetry conclusive i ask your opinion and yet i must say to you as to him brown that if you have anything to say against it i shall be as obstinate and heady as a radical by the examiner coming in your handwriting you must be in town they have put me into spirits notwithstanding my aristocratic temper i cannot help being very much pleased with the present public proceedings i hope sincerely i shall be able to put a mite of help to the liberal side of the question before i die if you should have left town again for your holidays cannot be up yet let me know when this is forwarded to you a most extraordinary mischance has befallen two letters i wrote to brown one from london whither i was obliged to go on business for george the other from this place since my return i can't make it out i am excessively sorry for it i shall hear from brown and from you almost together for i have sent him a letter to-day you must positively agree with me or by the delicate toe-nails of the virgin i will not open your letters if they are as david says suspicious-looking letters i won't open them if st john had been half as cunning he might have seen the revelations comfortably in his own room without giving angels the trouble of breaking open seals remember me to mrs d and the west monasterian and believe me ever your sincere friend john keats end of letter one hundred and eighteen